the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Hi there. Oh, man, it has been a minute. Normally, normally I am, uh, I am doing this from the Northern Command, uh, hunkered down in a, a nondescript location somewhere in Northern California. Not, and, and no, no, you know, if you're in the Bay Area, you go, oh, we live in Northern California. No, you don't. You live in Central California. I live in Northern California. I am 100 miles from the Oregon border. I think that constitutes northern. Uh, this would be more central. And, boy, really, seriously, from Maxwell North, you talk to anybody, and they'll tell you, yeah, northern California, Maxwell North. South of that to about Bakersfield, you're talking central. So I'm used to being in the northern command, not here in the central command. I'm actually in the mothership, and this is, it, it has been a minute. Hi. And uh, welcome to Lifeline. Craig Roberts, uh, securely sequestered in the closet. He'll be fine. Can you close that door? Thank you. He'll be fine at least for a couple of hours. We'll try and feed him, give him a little bit of water, and uh, he'll be good to go. And <laughs> get, get him out of here! Who opened the door? Thank you, Vince, very much for taking care of that door. Holy cow, we need to change the lock on that thing. We have a show lined out tonight that's kind of rip and ramble. We're going to be here, there, and everywhere tonight. As I I was asked to take care of the show for this evening, I thought, oh my, who can I get to join us? And uh, as I've mentioned in times past, I enjoy picking low-hanging fruit. We've got a variety of ministers, pastors, missionaries, and uh, the like around the Bay Area that I always enjoy going to and spending time with. And it was kind of last minute, and it's like, well, you know, most of my friends are busy tonight getting ready for Sunday. And then, of course, you know, Biden did his little brouhaha last night. And Tim Scott did his rebuttal last night. And, you know, you spend uh, any amount of time watching the talking heads, and it just fills you up. And so I thought, you know what, let's just spend some time talking about some of the issues of the day. We'll ruminate on a few things, try and pass along some information. And along the way, my hope tonight is to at least get us to consider the broader scope of things, 
to get that panoramic view. You know, more often than not, as I watch our culture do what it does, it's as if we are down in the very basin and heart of the Grand Canyon looking at a couple of pebbles along the beach of the Colorado River. And we are so fascinated that we forget what this whole thing looks like from a grand perspective up on the rim. When was the last time you stood back and took a look at our political tenor of our society from the rim? We get so caught up in the pebbles, in the minutia of it all, that we fail to sit back and take a look at the grand plan of all things. And once you do that... I honestly think it directs us back to the one who's designed it all. And so hopefully and prayerfully, this is kind of where we'll head this evening. If you'd like to chime in, now here's the other thing. I know, I know if you're like me, you sit there and you watch these things transpire on the news, and you watch your favorite talking head uh, pontificate on the various issues of the day, and you watch things like the, uh, the Biden address to uh, the General Assembly last night, Tim Scott's rebuttal. If you're like me, you find yourself yelling at the boob tube more often than not, don't you? Yeah, but what about this? And you didn't do that. And he didn't talk about this. And you're taking that out of context. So here's a chance for you tonight to actually talk to somebody. I'll let you do that as we roll through some of these issues. And like I said, I've got, a, I've got a laundry list of issues. We'll get to some of them. We may get to all of them. We may only get to one of them. I don't know. But along the way, if you would like to vent, and maybe in listening to me, maybe I'm the one who's going to just totally torque your jaw, and you're going to want to yell and scream at me, hey, I can handle it. I'm a big boy. I put my big boy pants on, my underruth. I have my Batman underoos on. I can handle it. <laughs> you, you are welcome to join the conversation tonight at 888-FOR-KFAX. That's 888-367-5329 if you would like to uh, chime in. Before we get rolling tonight, there is one little item of business. And whether we can – I'm not sure if I can get them on tomorrow night or not. Uh, because we'll, we'll, we'll get to do this thing again tomorrow night. In the event that we cannot get them on tonight, I at least want to let you know of this little group that is out there that in my mind is absolute gold, especially in this time. So the corona pandemic has got us, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, we are all agoraphobic right now. You know, it's like, oh, my God, we've stopped living. I haven't. I live in Northern California. <laughs> we wear cowboy boots and cowboy hats. We ride our horses, and we don't listen to nobody. Um, seriously, this pandemic has really changed the way we do business. And for many of us, uh, we've had to stop doing business, which has required us to go to the EDD, Employment Development Department. And if you've had to, and, and I, I'm seeing some of the nodding heads already as you're slowly cruising down 880. Um, if you've had to deal with the EDD, you know that you can't. 
it is virtually impossible. There are a variety of phone numbers. You'll go through a variety of prompts. You'll spend 40 minutes going through their prompts only to get the please hold while you're connected. We're sorry. We can't complete your call as dialed. Please try again later. Click. And that's if you've had to deal with the EDD for unemployment purposes, maybe you find yourself uh, qualifying for unemployment. But they've sent you a letter saying, no, you're not really qualified. We've we've disqualified you for here's a laundry list of reasons. And you can appeal, but you're not sure how the appellate process works with these guys. And you're trying to get answers, but you can't because the EDD is virtually absent. It's like they've all, you know, hey, let's go to Cabo. And they've, you know, they're stuck down there. They're just gone. You can't get to the EDD to, to save your life. Uh, you're afraid to spend any money ca- that came your way because you're thinking, well, if I've got to pay it back, holy cow, that's not fun. And so you're kind of left floundering on your own to deal with the EDD for whatever reason. And there are a variety of them, and especially in this day and age with the uh, climate we find ourselves in job-wise, it is just next to impossible. Until now. I'm going to give you a phone number, and I'm going to give you a name of a small little nonprofit group that within, I guarantee you, uh, on, on an average business day, and they man their phones on, on average business hours, so they're not 24-7. Uh, at least I don't believe so. No, they're not. I know they're not. But within 30 seconds of placing that phone call, you are talking to a real person. And within 45 seconds, you are getting real answers and some serious help. And you're getting answers that will bring about real change. Right now, from what, do I, from what I understand, the EDD, if you are trying to do an appeal on, an, uh, on a ruling on your case, um, you're looking at six to eight weeks. If you're just looking to qualify, you're looking at eight to ten weeks. This thing is just a quagmire. The Center for Workers' Rights is the name of this group. It's a nonprofit group. And these guys are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Case in point, my wife was disqualified, and the reason, simple reason, you didn't give us two pieces of identification. You only sent one. So we're not going to qualify you, even though she is qualified. The numbers add up, and she does qualify, but they disqualified her simply because she failed to send a second piece of identification. Well, what kind of piece of identification are you looking for? If I do this appeal, do I have to send the identification with the appeal letter? How does this work, and where do I send it? Well, there is one address on the piece of paper they gave us. It looked like a general clearinghouse in San Diego. Well, a quick call to the Center for Workers' Rights, and I had the right address that bypassed about two other places that would shuffle our appeal through before it finally went to the appellate court for the EDD. And they gave me all the answers I needed, and that was within two minutes of a phone call. And these guys are there to help any worker with any issue 
involving the EDD. Their number is 916-905-1625. And I'll give that to you again a couple of times through the program because this is this is invaluable information. Center for Workers' Rights, 916-905-1625. Write that number down. If you've got an issue with the EDD and you need help with it, that's the place to go. We need to take a quick time out. Man, time flies when you're having fun, or as the frog said, time's fun when you're having flies, and that's what we do around here. We chase flies, and we'll do some more as soon as we get back on the other side of this break. Right now, we're off to the KFAX Traffic Center. We have a look at your commute. And now, back to Lifeline. We're back. It's, uh, yeah, Lifeline, Thursday evening. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts. 888-FOR-KFAX. If you'd like to chime in this evening, 367-5329. That's 888-367-5329. We're going to just kind of range all over, cherry pick a few things. There's, you know, as I, you know, I when I stepped away from broadcasting on a full-time basis years ago, I kind of, I kind of unplugged a bit, you know. As as political junkies, you tend to get locked into all of this, and so you kind of remove yourself from it a bit. Take it in small doses and try and go on with life. Train your kids the best you can. Love your wife the best you can. Enjoy your horses as much as you can. And uh, all to the glory of God, right? And that's what you do. And so uh, last couple of days, I plugged back in. And, you know, after... After puking my guts out after about two hours and going back and plugging in again, it's like, oh, my goodness, this stuff. Where do you start, right? Um, I mean, some of the things that have captivated my thoughts and my attention, in fact, uh, I do have a friend that's going to join us here in the next segment. We're going to spend a little time talking about one of these issues. Um, Obviously, the uh, Biden address last night to the joint session uh, of Congress. And just that alone, where do you start? Can you fight fire with fire? Can you fight poverty with more poverty? Um, This whole notion of tax and spend, this whole notion of spending trillions with a T. Trillions? Really? I can remember when it was millions uh, as an American. That's going back a few years. But, I mean, you, you look at everything that is being facilitated inside the Beltway right now, and you really have to step back and wonder. And, again, using the whole principle of I'm not down in the basin next to the Colorado River looking at a rock or two. I'm standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon trying to get a full view of all of this. I mean, think about it. H.R. 1, court packing, the D.C. statehood option, open borders, filibuster killing, massive tax and spend. And it's all done with the bait and switch of race baiting. And you really, if you seriously stop and think, now again, remember, I'm asking you to stop looking at the rock, you know, and focus on the whole of it in toto. You, you've got to come away with some conclusions that something ain't right. And at, at least, again, these are my conclusions, something ain't right. Um, what else do we have here? We, we, you know, uh, Tim Scott's rebuttal. And again, my, my guest joining us here in a few minutes, we'll talk about Tim's rebuttal. And then the, the vitriol that came back at Tim after the fact. Uh, is racism dead in America? 
Now, again, as Tim Scott said, I'm not saying there's racism out there. But is it so is is it about as pandemic as the coronavirus? I don't know. What do we do with and again, Tim Scott is is just brilliant with all of this, at least in my mind, as he tries to find a, a workaround and some decent compromise with law enforcement and how to redo law enforcement. That's out there as well. And then, of course, you know, you, you go along the uh, the way the police are being treated these days. That that grieves me. Uh, and and of course, you know, racism is a part of all of that. And I've, I've boy, I've got thoughts about that as well. And we'll try and explore some of them as we go through here. And of course, Biden's speech, not just uh, spending trillions of dollars. And again, okay, for 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 example, you know, uh, some attribute this to Ben Franklin, others don't, and uh, there are a couple of. In fact, let me read you the one that is I think is more accurate. Um, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the majority discovers it can vote itself largesse out of the public treasury. After that, the majority always votes for the candidate promising the most benefits with the result the democracy collapses because of the loose financial policy ensuing, always to be followed by dictatorship and then a monarchy. And that is attributed um, to a 1951 article in the Daily Oklahoman from Sunday, December 9th, 1951. And that is the quote. Uh, it's not the ex- it's, uh, while not exactly, let me just read this, while not exactly the text cited, the sim- similarity is clear. However, the author of that, that I just read, attributes it to Alexander Fraser Titler uh, from October 15th, 1747, uh, an obscure Scotsman. Uh, While we cannot find the original source in Titler's writings, it is in line with his somewhat negative feelings about democracy, so it may or may not originally be a Titler quote, but we can say with near certainty that it is not a Franklin quote, unless, of course, Franklin is quoting Alexander, and then, of course, maybe you've got something there. But the fact is, you boil all this down, have we actually come to that point where the majority of Americans realize that they can vote themselves money. Is that why we have Biden? Is that why we have a majority of progressive Democrats in the House and the Senate? Do we let's let's start with this. Can we honestly sit back and at least say I am against it or well, yeah, you know, they they've got free money, uh, I'm going with them. I would rather stand with a statesman who is a chronic liar than a pompous blowhard who will tell the truth. Let's just boil it down and say what it is. At least with the previous administration, for the most part, if you could weed through all of the propaganda that was fed to us by lamestream media, you had to come away with the fact that there were things being done that were promised to us. And what I am afraid of is that there are now things being done what was, that was promised to us, but those promises 
Oh, my goodness, talk about undermining our freedoms, our liberties, and our independence. Have we gone so far down Alice's rabbit hole that we would now rather have government cradle to grave taking care of us financially? Can you, can you at least agree on that? If you're one of those out there who who is sympathetic to the way we are moving, if you boil it down, this is where we're at. We are able to vote. And remember when Obama was running, and we had we we have those news clips of people. Oh, he's going to buy me a phone. He's going to buy me a car. He's going to take care of me, and my bills will be paid. We actually have those quotes from people who believed that. And I see those people believing what Biden is saying now as well. We're going to take care of everything. You don't have to worry. You voted for us because you knew that we were going to take care of you. So sit back, quit your job, turn on the TV, grab the nachos, recline in your favorite easy chair, and get fat and sassy, and we'll send you a check once a month so you don't run out of Fritos and you don't miss out on your, 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 your phone payment so you can keep tabs on what's going on on your Facebook. That's what I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you think I'm wrong? I'd love to hear from you. Triple eight F O R K F A X. And again, these are just a couple of things that roll through my brain matter as I consider some of this stuff. But it, it really does. It 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 concerns me that we have gotten so far down that rabbit hole that even though we know it's wrong, we really don't care. And then my question becomes: All right. So what if guys like me and everybody else who are are willing to do the 40-hour work week, willing to break our backs, sweat, blood, and tears, and eke out a decent living for my family and take care of them, what if we just quit? What if all of those guys who you plan on living off the backs of quit? Where's the money come from? What then? Now what? At what price salvation now? To quote the old radio program. There are a lot of ramifications and a lot of consequences for the roads that we go down. Some good, some not so good. And I, 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 again, you see things differently. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to get your take on it. But uh, the road I see us traveling down is not a very good road. In fact, it is one that tends to... Uh, Scare me quite a bit, quite a bit. We'll take another time out, check some traffic, pay some bills, and make sure the lights stay on around here for a little while longer. When we come back, my guest, uh, Antoine Miller, will join us. And we'll talk a little bit about some of this, uh, some of the things that uh, Tim Scott said last night, all right? Time out now. Let's, uh, Let's head off to the KFX Traffic Center and take another look at your commute. And now, back to Lifeline. We are back. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts this evening. You want to join the conversation, as always, you're welcome to chime in. 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X-367-5329. One of the issues that came up last night was, uh, and again, we can deal with a bunch of the things Biden had to say, um, but my thoughts moved towards Tim Scott and his rebuttal to Joe Biden last night. And one of the things he said 
really got me thinking. And, you know, as, as I told my next guest earlier today, um, I don't have answers. I've got ideas, but I don't have answers. To which he said, well, I ain't got answers either. So between the two of us, we probably don't have, you know, probably may have uh, just enough a couple of pieces of wood to, you know, start a spark maybe. But answers we're not sure about. But we did want to talk about it nonetheless. I did anyway. And I couldn't think of anybody better because, um, because of the history that we have had in times past. Uh I thought, you know what, I, I need to get him in here so we can talk about this a little bit further. Antoine Miller, who is a, a Oakland native. Uh, brother, you've spent a lot of time in pulpits in and around the uh, the East Bay, and you and I have spent a minute or two behind these microphones talking about these issues in times past. It's been a minute, but uh, I'm glad we've we've caught up again. Antoine Miller, our guest here tonight on Lifeline. Antoine, thanks for uh, taking some time out and spending it with us tonight, man. Hey, good evening to you. Thanks for having me. Brother, the pleasure and privilege is mine, man. Um, You and I have always had some lively discussions on this topic. I think we agree uh, more than we agree to disagree on things. And uh, at the end of the day, the one thing I've always valued about you is we, we can always take all of what we talk about and go back to the cross and lay it there and go, all right, Jesus, you know, this is all yours. We've got to trust you with this. And like you said earlier tonight when we were talking, earlier today, um, you know, at the end of the day, we may not hand, have answers, but the one answer we do have is that we can, get, you know, get on our knees before the cross and just leave it all with him. So. Your, I want to, I want to, I wanted to get your thoughts and your take on Tim Scott's message last night, his rebuttal to, uh, to Biden. I know you, you know Tim personally. You've had some time with him. Uh, I, I also know that you probably don't agree with everything that Tim has to say and what he believes. But I do know that you two value each other as, uh, as friends. Your takeaways from last night's. Uh, rebuttal by Tim. What did you think? Oh, well, there were some uh, good things that Tim said. There were some things that uh, I found that were uh, just a little questionable in that it just, uh, him staying with the party narrative in a sense. Um, Not that he had a lot of time to do this, uh, but in his rebuttal when he spoke of being racially profiled and some things of that nature um if he would have expanded on that particular issue and in particular two times that he was racially profiled uh i think it might have fed away from the narrative that's a part of uh the republican party and might have given a uh, bone to those that were in the uh, democratic party right Um, or fed into the narrative that they that is continually pushed there. Uh, some of which, you know, you know me, I agree with. Uh, some of it I don't agree with. Uh, there's a whole lot of gray area that comes in, and a lot of it, as you say, lamestream media. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you say, lamestream media, it's how the uh, narrative is controlled when it gets actually gets to the television. It now, gets to the radio, actually gets to the Internet. Right. And and the problem we have with people, people are more comfortable now 
operating from the extremes and looking for the extremes instead of moving toward that middle where they could probably find the truth of some issues. And you know, and, and we'll get there in just a minute. Just a quick thought on that alone. I I don't know about you, but I think we are so quick to go down the media's radical left or radical right because it is the it's the road with the least resistance, the path of least resistance. Um, to, to actually go down the middle and try and find the common ground that's work. That takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of selflessness and a lot of giving and taking. And, I, boy, I think we're in a society that just doesn't want to give anymore, and all they want to do is take. And that's what creates these extremes. Now, just to kind of add to this a little bit, because you mentioned that, you know, had Scott uh, actually expanded upon his racial profiling experiences, things might have sounded differently. You yourself have a couple of those issues in your own backyard as well, and they are not pretty, right? That's correct. Uh, that's correct. And, um, you know, and I've shared it before here on KFAX, uh, uh, just being pulled over while walking uh, in Las Vegas with my children and um, having a gun to my head while a gun was being pointed at my children saying that, two black men dressed in black robbed someone a few blocks away. And me and my kids were in black t-shirts, white shorts, and flip-flops, having just had our family reunion. And you've got to be a hard gangster to rob somebody in flip-flops. Well, and, and then try and get away from it all, I know, right? But you, you, fit, but you fit the racial profile, which is sad. And, and that's one of the issues that we're trying to deal with here tonight is you know, simply because of your melanin, we're going to treat you a different way. And it, it, I, I know it just drives you absolutely batty. And it drives me batty as well. Why, you know, why we have to go with something so shallow? Our whole system, our whole country, and it's and it's not just the the color of our skin. It's we have so our identity is so wrapped up in our skin and our sexual preferences these days. It's like, well, what about the identity that God says we we have in Christ? And we lose all of that. And we go, again, like I said, we go with the, 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 the low-hanging fruit, the, the path of least resistance. I don't have to give up anything of this, and I run the, 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 the potential of getting something out of this. And so, yeah, let's go down this road, all right? And so everything is race-driven. Race Does it? Do you get weary of it, Antoine? You get weary of the racial issues because at the end of the day, we would love for this society— to be the melting pot that it is purported to be. We would love for America to live up to the motto uh, that is on the Statue of Liberty and giving us those huddled masses. But unfortunately, there is still that strain somewhere in the DNA of some people or that has been implanted into the DNA of some people that bring those racial issues out to the top. Um, One thing that you know, we can't deny, as you have brought up Christ and the image that he's made us in, uh, we have allowed the name, the image, the person of Jesus Christ to be hijacked by our different political ideologies. While we're all familiar with John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, 
we often overlook verses 17 and 18, which, just as I paraphrase, that he didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And in that, in, in those words right there, um, when we allow the person, the purpose of Christ to be hijacked for whatever our political ideologies are, we overlook the fact that Christ did not die for our political ideology. Mm. Neither did he die for any social ideology that say that we have to save the planet. When he said the world, he's speaking of people. So we forget the most important argument in everything is that we do have to treat all people the same because Christ died that all the world, all people might have a right to accept him as Lord and Savior. When we allow that image to be hijacked by our political ideology, we can push more people away from the church, whether you're conservative or, or liberal. Uh, we can push more people away from wanting a relationship with Christ because they see a bastardized image of Christ that fits an ideology that's not biblical. Put a bookmark there, brother. And, uh, and, and and keep that thought in mind. We have to take a quick time out, but I, and I hate dumping in on you right as you get rolling, man. You're preaching now. We're going Pentecostal here on Lifeline, let me tell you. So stick around. You betcha, man. All right, so we got to take a quick time out. My guest is Antoine Miller, and, uh, oh, we're preaching in the house now. I got him rolling. This is what I want. We'll take a quick time out. Check your traffic off to the KFAX Traffic Center with another look at your commute. And now, back to Lifeline. We're back. It's uh, Andy Froyland in tonight on Lifeline for Craig Roberts, who is uh, busy making sure this station stays afloat, <laughs> because that's what he does, and he's good at it. My guest is Antoine Miller. He's been with us in times past, a dear friend. Uh, we go back a, a couple of years, a couple of decades. Shh, I won't say anything if you won't. <laughs> I won't. But, uh, brother, um, you, you and I, man, I can remember some of the roundtable conversations you and I have had on this issue, and it seems as though times have gotten worse. But we left midstream, and I wanted to give it back to you because you were hitting on some of the real, uh, well, the real heart of the issue, and that is the heart of the issue. Where are our hearts, and how do we, how do we affect change when it comes to this view of race, racism? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who has the Who has the answers? Who doesn't? Uh, and and how do we how do we stop the hijacking of this issue to keep things in a political realm rather than a spiritual realm? And like you said before the break, really at the end of the day, this is all about our relationship with Jesus, isn't it? That's what I believe, and uh, us not selling out. Uh, to either or any political ideology uh, at the sacrifice of what our relationship with him ought to look like. And I think, unfortunately, that is often the case um, in many churches, whether they are liberally bent or bent conservatively. Uh, there is a selling out of that ideology where Christ is sacrificed to remain popular or to be relevant with that ideology. 
We do, don't we? We tend to try and pigeonhole Jesus into our specific viewpoints. And, and you know, if, if you, our listeners, disagree with that, then I ask you to go to a church in Oakland, right? And if you're living in Oakland, hey, go to a church in San Jose. Um, you know, try going, to, uh, try, try going to a Hispanic church. Try going to a black church. Try going to a white church. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, as uh, as uh, Dr. King said, Martin Luther King said, and he's probably not the first to say it, but the most prominent that has probably said it, uh, 11 a.m. Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in oh, America. Yeah. And we often try to, as you said, pigeonhole Christianity. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having genuine worship and fellowship with those that you have an ethnic identity with. I mean, after all, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10 and 1, his heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And so he had that identity with his ethnicity that they would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He talked about their zeal, but he wanted them to have a real relationship with them. And what we can see in Israel during that day is that while there were many who were zealous of a relationship with God or knowledge of God, that zeal, that exuberance that they had, often leaped right over Christ. Yeah. And, you know, and there are those, and I've heard them, uh, Antoine, I've, they've stood there and stared me in the face and said, well, you know, the Bible really doesn't deal with racism, so, we, you know, we can't bring that into the conversation, to which I say, okay, well, then what do you do with John chapter 4? Uh, okay, what do you do with Paul, who chastises Peter for his reaction to the Gentiles? I'm sorry, but that's, that's dealing with racism from a, a, a biblical perspective, is it not? It absolutely is. I mean, even in the book of Ezra, the commandment was given to separate your sons from their daughters um, on the race and religion issue that was present at that time during the rebuilding of the temple. And so race is something that the Bible deals with, and no need in us being shy about it. Uh, When it comes to race, there is that hijacking on the extremes again and uh, what Jesus looks like. And God looks like. Yeah. And everyone wants to make him look like them when we're all created. We're all the imago dea. We're all created in the image of God. Yeah. And so stop trying to hijack that image of God to look like your specific ethnicity. And, and there, I, I, you know, I will say that Scripture does address segregation. And the only time it addresses segregation and promotes it is when there is spiritual compromise. And nothing more, right? right? So, you know, to to say, well, you know, we can segregate a little bit and separate because, well, they did in the Bible. Well, yeah, you know, um, they were told to stay away from those women who worshipped false idols. Yeah, okay, you you know, and, and then let's fast forward and clarify that in the New Testament, and pretty much what we are seeing is don't be unequally yoked, because it's going to mess you up spiritually. This isn't about, again, skin color and who's right and who's wrong and who's superior and who's not superior. Again, like you said, it's the Imago Dei. This is all about our identity in Christ, and that identity in Christ transcends all of our cultures, does it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we could start there, as opposed to our political extremes, 
I think we could heal a lot of the hurt that we have in America because a lot of hurt that we have in America has to deal with those extreme hijackings of who Jesus is. But see, you know, the thing is, at the end of the day, um, Antoine, what you and I are talking about requires something that, uh, quite frankly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but quite frankly, I believe we are living in a society that has so embraced self and self-centeredness that we're unwilling to go down that road because it requires sacrifice and selflessness. Is this something you have seen in your travels? Well, absolutely. Um, I would even say it's something that we have promoted in our children. Um, I know a good friend of mine, his son, ran in a track race. I think he was about nine years old at the time, maybe a little younger. And uh, he wanted to show me his ribbon. And I was excited to see his ribbon because my thought is, wow, nephew won the race. And he showed me a lavender ribbon. And I was like, Lavender? Right. I said, what's this for? He said, I came in sixth place. And that's when his big brother told me there were only six lanes. <laughs> and so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, now you're opening up a whole new can of worms, brother. <laughs> but you're, you're right. I mean, we, we have pandered to the self-esteem movement in ways that is just, oh, my goodness, it's beyond the pale at times, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, you know, back to where we started out uh, in asking the question, some of my takeaways with what Brother Scott said last night. Um, one of the things he said in the, be- in the beginning of his speech, uh, it was what we would call, from where I'm from, um, he, atta- he attacked on the under. He, he really... Uh, came sideways, uh, as we would say, from in East Oakland, uh, about President Biden, in that the statement, Joe Biden seems like a good man. He seems like a good man. That is a, that's trying to use a, a positive when you're really saying something negative. Negative, yeah. I per- <laughs> You know, and so it was an attack at the beginning. Um, And I'm one who really don't support the rebuttal from either party to what the president says, because the rebuttal itself is divisive. And we can go go back to any president that's been in office. When has the rebuttal ever been something like, yeah, let's get behind the president and unify? Yeah, yeah. Tell you what, let's take another time out here and uh, pay some bills, and then when we come back, let's uh, let's explore the other side of this coin a little bit, because it is an issue, uh, and that is uh, our law enforcement here in America, and how all of this affects law enforcement as well. My guest is Antoine Miller. He is joining me here tonight on Lifeline for the time being, as we just kind of take a look at some of the uh, events surrounding us in our society, especially as it relates to race 
And how, how do we address all this? Well, obviously, uh, as you've heard, the Bible does have a few answers. You agree or disagree, uh, God, God knows how to handle his creation. Let's just put it that way, all right? Quick time out. Let's head off to the KFAX Traffic Center. And, uh, oh, Michael Bennett is over there. He's the guy with the thumb in his ears waving at you. He's going to give you a look at your commute. 